Hello, nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds, and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hey, welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, to part two of our Nostalgia Wars of movies that um, molded our childhood and had influence or just that we really enjoyed in our childhood and still very much do. Um, This time around, it's Jared's turn to share um, his list of movies, which I'm really excited to, um, to hear about. And I have a feeling I know... There's, I know one that may be on the list. If not, I'm going to be really disappointed in him. <laughs> okay, with me as always is my best friend, Jared Boots. How are you, Jared? Everything hurts and I'm dying. Oh, so just another day? That's about how I... Yeah, pretty much. Another day over 30. Mm. Look what I have to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Tick tock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you might know at least one movie on here, but I think a lot might surprise you. I think more might surprise you that's not on my list, actually. Mm, okay. We'll see but, how much I can I can speak to you then. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm, definitely. There, there's a few you'll be able to talk about, I have a feeling, though. Okay. Would you like to get started? I'm yeah. Sure. Uh, I did have a, kind of like a one giant um, honorable mention because I was a big sports kid mm. growing up. So I just lumped in a bunch of sports movies that I watched real quick as a, as like a, a little honorable mention in itself. Uh, little Big League. Mm. Uh, the, the Sandlot. Uh, Rookie of the Year. A League of Their Own. Little Giants and Ladybugs. Um, a handful of those easily could have been on my list, and I do have one sports movie on there that we'll talk about later. But because uh, it had a much bigger impact on my life as a kid than any of the other ones did. But these are just big, being a big baseball kid growing up, watching most of those, and then watching Little Giants is a fun one to watch every time. This time of year, now it's. American football season has started. Mm. And uh, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I do love Ronnie Dangerfield. Ladybugs is definitely a must watch. <laughs> I don't think I've actually heard of that one. Hmm. It's a good comedy from the 90s. Uh, what was the name of the kid? Um, his name's escaping me now. I know I'm going to kick myself later. But um, have you seen the 1998 film, the miniseries? Yes. The kid that played uh, Bill, um, he's in it too. Okay. I, who, who has since passed on, but I know it's for the life of me, I, I I know I know his name, but for the life of me, I just can't think of it right now. But <laughs> yeah, he, he was in it too. Okay. 
And so was uh, Jack A, who was big in the 90s down here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Jackie, it's Jack A. Jack A, okay. <laughs> and if you're a Rick Moranis fan, I highly recommend Little Giants. Okay, well, definitely. That one's got a great cast in it, too. Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill as uh, brothers. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd like to kick off my list. I'm going to start with a movie that's near and dear to my heart. And I, I could probably do a whole list based off of this one movie alone. It would be titled uh, Films I Shouldn't Have Been Allowed to Watch as a Kid, But I Did Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, first film that shaped my childhood was Revenge of the Nerds. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I watched this at the ripe old age of uh, four years old. <laughs> Great age to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, that this could easily kickstart. Oh, I could easily do a list of films I shouldn't have been able to. I shouldn't have been allowed to watch as a kid, but I did anyway. Uh, <laughs> this Porky's, Animal House, Caddyshack, like uh, Child's Play, like all films I shouldn't have watched at such a young age, but I did anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, um, yeah, Revenge of the Nerds, uh, one of the first movies I vividly remember watching as a kid. I had it for years and years. I had it memorized um, to tell an embarrassing story. Um, I'd go to the grocery store with my mom, and uh, the grocery store my father worked at actually at the time, and uh, I had. A- Tendency to walk off and talk to random people, which I don't do much of that today. Try to avoid as much interaction in public as I can from strangers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, um, my mom lost sight of me, and she hears me say, "Bye, nerd." And uh, I was talking to a, one of my dad's coworkers that had glasses on. And according <laughs> my according to my mom, I came back with mom. I was talking to that nerd over there. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, thirty some odd years later. <laughs> I'd embrace that title for myself. But yeah, I, this is a movie I watched from an early age and I probably shouldn't have watched it at such an early age. <laughs> yeah, probably not, but you know. <laughs> Well, you, you don't think anything when you're at that age. You don't think if anything. You don't think anything about the nudity or. It's just yeah, the scene with uh Lewis and Betty on the moon. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't think or the panty raid. You don't think anything about that. No. It all, it all goes over your head as a kid. It's just funny stuff happening, you know. Exactly. Like you, yeah. You really don't put much anything into it. You're just watching it to watch it, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie came out in August of 84, August 10th of 84. So this film came out exactly four months before my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I did watch number two a lot too growing up also. Yeah. And that one, I was what, about three when that one came out. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think I started my list off with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely did. If there's any movie to start off with, that's like good one to start off with. <laughs> that's the basis of this whole show, so I might as well start off with that one. Oh, exactly. <laughs> what's your what's your next one? Um next one is from um uh, our failed uh family fun episode and that would be a Disney film from 93 called Heavyweights. Or I'm in 95 actually. From the 90s called Heavyweights. Um it was really back when Disney was had like a huge in my opinion at least had a huge run of hits in their live action films for kids yeah. and this was one of them a story about a bunch of fat kids going to fat camp and all the hijinks that ensue from there um i think this was my introduction to ben stiller as a kid and uh this is 595 so yeah a movie i probably watched at 11 years old and as recently as this August, this past August, driving out to Council Bluffs to see Rob Zombie, me and my my buddy Nick just recorded this movie the whole way out there and the whole way back. Because <laughs> Nick and I are about the same age, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's those movies you just you never lose. You're just driving along on Highway 80, I'm feeling skinny, Tony. <laughs> 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 I have a brother who's about two and a half years younger than me. And then we have uh, a sister and a brother who are 15 years younger than me and 14 years younger than me. And I remember trying to introduce our sister to heavyweights and the next film on my list um, a few years ago, just to. Give her a taste of the stuff that me and my brother watched while we were growing up. Some of the fun stuff she missed out on. But I, I love heavyweights. It was like, I'd really say in the mid to mid to early '90s, Disney had a lot of good hits, whether for the direct TV, Disney Channel movies, or the theater, like uh, Heavyweights, Blank Check, uh, Mighty Ducks, um, Paper Brigade, um, Jungle to Jungle. George of the Jungle, even like they had a lot of solid hits in the '90s. Uh, the Santa Claus film, yeah. the first one at least I can attest to. Mm-hmm. Like, I really—that's just my personal opinion. Of somebody who grew up in the '90s, who was born in the mid '80s, that they had a lot of great hits in the '90s. Growing up, uh, Hocus Pocus, another one. Yeah. Were they all blockbusters? No, but they were great. I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, they, they might not have been like the, you know, like the biggest, you know, movies ever, but the, I, you know, they were great movies. And I mean, you know, I watched them as a kid and enjoyed them and I still enjoy them, you know. Oh. There's another one watch I watched a few times growing up was uh, Johnny Tsunami. Another <laughs> Disney Channel original it was pretty damn good. Yeah. Right now, I'm sure people back home are uh, listening on their phones. Like, wow, those are names I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so let me remember Johnny Tsunami and Blank Check. 
<laughs> Blank check almost made the list. I watched that a lot as a kid too. Mm. Kid writing his own check for a million dollars. Just how he would spend it. Fucking amazing. <laughs> Man, a million dollars go a long way back in 94. Yeah. Now it's like, it wouldn't go very far. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next one on my list, I mentioned we also introduced this one to my sister also. And, uh, it's uh, I don't know how well this, this film is known because I never hear it talked about. But it's a 95 film called Angus. And it's about a, a fat teenager who uh, kind of an outcast at his school. He's always picked on by everybody. Uh, has a crush on the pretty girl in school, played by Lex from Jurassic Park. Um, who happens to be dating the captain of the football team, played by a young James Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this it's like a kind of a coming-age tale for Angus and all this stuff, because he's really smart. And, all this other stuff and just an outcast from everybody except for his friend, uh, Troy, um, who wants uh, he has this desire to fit in, but his grandpa, played by the late George C. Scott, just his advice to fitting in is screw him. He's very encouraging of Angus to stand out and everything. So when Angus is uh, chosen to be like the king of the winter formal. To uh, his crush's uh, queen, uh, instead of everybody else wearing, he wants while well, he wants to wear a traditional black tuxedo. Um, his uh, grandpa makes him wear a plum suit because he'll stand <laughs> out. Yeah. And and like guys, the and uh, there's also like a subplot here too of Angus trying to get into a like a smart kid science based school. Mm. So you get that subplot there, and the whole story is Angus learning to be comfortable with who he is and not trying to fit in all the time, being the outcast, being comfortable being the outcast. Instead of trying to be, instead of trying to fit into the same mold everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But it's a movie, I, it's got a good message to it, and it's one I watched a lot as a kid with my brother. And I remember, like, being a 12 year old 11 12 year old watching this film and hearing a teenager in the film say saying asshole or ass hat all that stuff here like hearing teenagers swear and stuff you know mm-hmm. good movie it's got a good message to it good heart to it it's got a great cast kathy bates is also in it okay she plays angus's mom real sweetheart of a lady If you can find it, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah. It's got a good story to it. But I don't think it gets remembered very well, though. Is it one of those ones that sort of... It, it exists, but it kind of... Sort of kicked under the carpet, you think? It might be, but... I feel like if this is one like you find on Amazon, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maybe. My brother found it a, a few years ago on DVD, but I'd like to keep looking for it myself. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a, a good movie to watch. It's it's one of those ones where the the underlying moral isn't all 
made for TV like and all gushy and over the top, you know? Yeah. Found it. <laughs> found it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely a good movie for those who want to embrace or have embraced standing out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good coming-of-age tale or something like that. Yeah, like, so very much, yeah, the coming-of-age, but still sort of, I, th- I would say a little bit different because it's, you know, not, you know... <laughs> kind of we're finding yourself and who you are and then being comfortable with yourself and you know not trying to fit into that mold of whatever right so yeah i'll definitely be checking that one out because i i can ten thousand percent relate to that yeah the grandpa's a great character just the way he tries to get angus to embrace standing out but also, like, help him fit in, like, having him take dance lessons for the, for it and all that stuff. So it's a fun time and kind of really dang it's all the bullying. He gets from James Vanderbeek and all of his friends and stuff. So mm-hmm. like, Vanderbeek plays the prick really well, like the prick popular kid in school. Yeah. It's definitely another good choice. You have to let me know what you think of it when you finally see it. Mm-hmm. So the next one on my list was kind of hard. It was a tough choice to make. I ended up ha- I originally had Big starring Tom Hanks on my list. Because it was one I watched a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. But I crossed it off and I had to go with one of my favorite franchises. Uh, with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was a really, it's really a coin toss between the first one or the second one. Yeah, I just, I did, I did love the first one as a kid. I was just a huge Ninja Turtle fan. I was introduced to the cartoons, and then I think I just remember having so much more fun with the second one because I think that's what Ninja Turtles secretly is essentially like the Batman Forever to the Ninja Turtles being Batman Returns. One being so much darker, so they had to lighten it up a little bit for the next one. Yeah, that makes sense. But, um, yeah. I really, looking back now, I still wish that they would have gone with uh, Bebop and Rocksteady instead of Toka and Razor. Mm. I think they said they thought it'd be too silly to have Bebop and Rocksteady in number two, so they went with something more silly. Yeah. And having bunch of two giant babies with Toka and Razor. <laughs> it's also by, I think it was also my, this film was my introduction to uh, the late David Warner who passed away earlier a few months ago. And I always also say I stake my claim that uh, Pedro Rourke is my favorite April Neal over Judith Hogue. <laughs> I'm probably the one guy that says that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I like a, had I, this conversation before. <laughs> yeah, it had a near this one. Like the Ninja Turtles always have a near and dear spot spot to my heart, even as a 
37 year old man i'm still a ninja turtle fan today still i went out and bought uh ninja turtles versus batman not that long ago on dvd i i'm currently reading ninja turtles the last ronin so so the turtles are still very much a part of my life even to the point where i dressed as uh, donatello egon last year with all my friends for halloween last year we dressed as Ghostbusters ninja turtles and mm-hmm. i picked donatello donnie's always been my guy uh, one of my favorite video games of all time is Ninja Turtles two, uh, Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. I, it's one of those franchises that stuck with me from childhood to adulthood. You know, why, do you, um, why do you think it stuck with you for so long? I don't know. I, <laughs> you really... Oh, well, the older I get, the more I... Uh, I like see, like seeing them cross over with stuff too. Like I remember, I have somewhere buried in all my collection of comics somewhere Ninja Turtles meet the Ghostbusters, and then seeing them pair up with cool shit like that, uh, like Batman, or like the Ghostbusters. Um, I don't know. Like, I, and the more you read up on them, like how you hear out there that they're this. Take, they're a, a parody of Daredevil. When you how when you hear how dark the original stuff was, it just mm-hmm. something keeps sticking with you. You want to seek it out and just keep with it. And it's I don't know. I can't really explain why it stuck with me all these years. I don't know. I, I just did. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe because going through college and adulthood, I'd always turn back to this film for a comfort food or something. Yeah. Nudge turtles were always there. Mm-hmm. And they, you the know, the fact that they, on the fact that they they never faded into obscurity, they're still around. Yeah. It's not like well, I would say maybe some like like Transformers had their phase where they come and go, or He Man or Thundercats. Thundercats kind of faded into obscurity a little bit from the eighties, or She-Ra. Like He Man keeps coming back, but some of these mm-hmm. things, the, the turtles always just kind of stayed around. They never faded to the background. They always just been relevant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Like it's just just one of those things that you know you really connected with at the time, and it's just you know. It, you just really had that interest in it and i think that's you know and i you know it's cool to see that yeah it hasn't you know gone by the wayside when you know it could have right like it, you never know how these things are are gonna go if they're you know they could be really successful at one moment and then they're just kind of stuffed into a closet the next you know and but yeah it's it it's cool to see that it is still around and still loved by you know i remember like you know working with kids and they you know there was a lot of them that absolutely loved ninja turtles and pretended to be ninja turtles and you know they absolutely loved it and of course i'm gonna full-on encourage that because you know (laughs) you know that's what you absolutely love and i mean i had the interest in it too so i was like you know why not um but uh but yeah it's and it's so cool to see that yeah it has you know combined with with you know batman and all that kind of stuff like it's just you know we've been there 
that's, really that's the that's the glory of comics. You can have any kind of random ass crossover you want. Like I have Archie meets the Predator. I have Popeye meets Mars Attacks. <laughs> I, have, I have Ash saves Obama. Oh my god. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the glory of comic books. That's if it weren't for comic books, we wouldn't have Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Absolutely. Yeah, you 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 wouldn't have those things, but it's just it's it's the beauty of comics and the beauty of creativity of you know having a, an imagination that oh what about if we you know asking that what about or a what if. You know, we put these two characters together in like the same space. You know, what would happen? And it's just it's awesome to see that. You know, no matter how you know ridiculous it might be, it kind of works. You know, yeah. so it's well, really I, cool. Look at all the fun we had on uh, our anniversary episode with our friends Philip and Craig with our Batman crossover. Right, that was so much fun. That's the beauty of comics is that you can cross all that stuff over. The Ghostbusters Ninja Turtles, I have that comic. I haven't laid, I haven't read it in a while. Mm-hmm. I've only read, the, I think there's three different Batman Ninja Turtles. I've only read the first one. Okay. I still have yet to read those ones. I'd like to. They're a fun time. Uh, the cartoon, I, I've, I recently bought the cartoon after hearing Philip and Craig talk about it on The Eternal Night. I, I bought it and I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, but it was it was definitely a hard choice between number two and number one, but I think I, I I still do watch number one a lot. I never watch number three. I hardly ever watch number number three. <laughs> um, but number two was always when I'd go back to, and um, uh, one night a few months ago, about a month ago, I was driving around with Kelsey, and I turned on Vanilla Ice's Go Ninja Go from this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it turns out she's a huge fan of this song and movie too. So we decided when we get married at our reception, this is Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go is going to be our walk-in song to the reception. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So next film on my list that shaped me as a young child. If you remember back from one of our first episodes, um, one of my first obsessions was Dinosaurs. So I think the obvious choice for this next one would be Jurassic Park. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, I was about the right age when this film came out. I think I was eight going on nine. I remember seeing it in the theater. And uh, just being in, so in love with it. I remember being a, a little, as a little kid, the Dilophosaurus scene, scene scared me a little bit, but Looking back now, like one of the first films I saw were like, wow, the, these dinosaurs look so real. Because like at eight years old, don't take special effects into account. Like, oh, <laughs> for all I know, those are real dinosaurs I saw. Or like, yeah. how'd they do that? How'd they do that? And just being so enamored. How I, that T Rex to this day is still one of my favorite things ever to watch. Mm. Ever to see in a big screen. That's like, everybody talks about Ripley or Sarah Connor. 
being one of the biggest badass females of all time, or why anybody would say Carol Danvers, but for me, one of my one of the best badasses of all time for females is always going to be that T Rex. Mm. That old gal stuck around for six fucking movies, and she mm-hmm. is still bad. She still rules that island or wherever she is now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They always make that T-Rex the centerpiece of every fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Every fucking movie, that T-Rex, she is there, and she is front and center. She gets her moment to shine every film. <laughs> Except for uh, three, because they're not on that island. Okay. So, yeah, but she gets her moment to shine. I'll never stop loving that T-Rex. Yeah. I still get chills every time, but yeah, but I don't remember uh, the Dilophosaurus killing Wayne Knight freaked me out as a kid, but um, mm. but still just loving it. I still love that T Rex. That T Rex breakout scene is one of the best cinematic moments in, in movie history. Absolutely. The fact that it was all done with an animatronic T Rex too just makes it that much more awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. You know, incredible what they achieved with that film. Like, just, it's amazing. And uh, we said, so we said, we, we said during your list, well, uh, talking about Toy Story, how the, yeah, if you kind of compare the CG, the first Toy Story to the latter ones, it looks a little rough. But still at the same time, though, that CG looks pretty good for 95 compared to a lot of other films like from two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. There's films you watch with practical practical effects is kind of a dying art now anyway. But the CG for almost uh, an almost 30-year-old film still looks better than most modern films. Absolutely. Like, it, it you know, absolutely holds up. Like, it... You know, you, you like, yeah, like you said, like with Toy Story, yeah, you, you see it, it's kind of aged. And I mean, it's it's very, you know, 90s, you know, like it's, it's, it has its kind of time period, but it's still, you know, I think it still looks all right. And I mean, yeah, Jurassic Park is just the, the one that's, I think, always going to be, you know, always going to look good because it just, you know, the, um, you know the the work that they put into it and everything and it's just yeah it, it looks absolutely amazing and then it always will be and you just you think of all these you know newer films like sometimes it's still it's like okay that looks a little rough you know <laughs> but yeah i i don't think any movie is gonna you know meet the i don't know the the level of um uh, the the standard that you know Jurassic Park is at, you know. I'd argue the thing holds up pretty well forty years later. This is true, yes. It's it definitely it does. Star Wars has held up pretty well too. So yeah. <laughs> so you do you do have those those from definitely, and I mean it was, you know, just yeah, it's incredible, just you know. 
Yeah. So Jurassic Park's probably one of the more modern films. Even though, it's, man, that movie's going to be 30 years old next year. Damn. Mm. Hold on. I already had a migraine starting this now. I'm just starting to feel old now. Let me sit here and feel old for a minute. Yeah. I'm... You're listed. You're listed and do that enough to me. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm old. I'm a year older than that fucking movie. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Just hand me my walker, please. I need it. <laughs> So this is a girl's not even 30 yet. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Meanwhile, me and a couple bu- me and a couple of my buddies are knocking on the door of 40. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, it reminds me when I did haunted housing last year and I'm sitting around with all these 21 year old kids. And I shit you not, I heard a couple of them say, oh, my God, I'm so old. I'm going to be 21 this year. Well, I'm like, fuck wow. you. I'm closer to 40 than you are to 30. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just shut up. <laughs> bite my shiny metal ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Okay, speaking of movies that are 30 years old, (laughs) uh, I did save one sports movie from my list, and I went with the Mighty Ducks. Call it. (laughs) I am not disappointed in you. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that was going to be on the list. (laughs) I I seriously thought thought about adding it to the sports list, the sports pack. But, yeah, while I did play football a lot as a kid and baseball, I still play softball as an adult. But this film is what got my generation into hockey. Mm -hmm. I have been a hockey fan ever since. Um, My buddy Mikey, who's been on this show and who's going to be, I'm going to be starting another show with, his favorite hockey team is the Mighty Ducks because of this movie. Um, I know those Film probably doesn't get look. Uh, I would say the the nostalgia in this film is very divided. Yeah. If you weren't born in like the mid to late eighties to early nineties, you probably aren't going to be a huge fan of this film. But I think if you are a hockey fan now and you're in about my age range, I can almost guarantee you it's because of this film. Mm. And the second film almost made my list too, because that even even cemented my love for hockey even more. Mm-hmm. I do love the sequel too to this film. Uh, D three, D three isn't bad. Um, I've seen a lot worse third installments to a franchise than D three. It's just not my favorite. Yeah, the first two are always the best, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is this is what got my much like how the generation before me, a little bit slap shot, got them into hockey. Yeah, yeah, Mighty Ducks definitely got me into hockey, and I've been a hockey fan ever since. Mm. 
I know you just recently watched these films for the first time. Did. And it's funny because I, you know, I remember they were around, they were a thing, and and I just, yeah, I just never got around to, just never saw them because I, I mean, at the time I wasn't really, I wasn't into to hockey all that much, so it was, eh, you know, but yeah, I just recently watched them, and I, I mean, being the hockey fan that I am now, it's just, it's they're so much fun, and I think when you're a hockey fan, it you get so much more out of it and it's just it makes it even funnier and fun and yeah i i absolutely enjoy it. i've only seen i i still want to see the third one but i've seen the first two and I, and I love both of them oh the first two are fun yeah um me and my buddy uh one year for the we used to play well i i played in an ultimate frisbee league which is different from disc golf um so one year we we used to go to a, a tournament every year a bunch of us from this league would form our own super team and one year me and my buddy brad we decided since we were like the two biggest guys on my team we called ourselves the bash brothers of uh frisbee so we dressed as uh we wore the bandanas like portman and uh and fulton <laughs> <laughs> the year we were the mighty ducks <laughs> This is another film too. Like the, me and my brother have a little bit of a bond over too. I remember <laughs> I tried to buy them. I bought us Mighty Ducks t-shirt jerseys, mm. and I bought them on Cyber Monday down here in the states. And I did not get them in until my brother's birthday, which was in April. Oh wow! <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got him his favorite player, which was at he's an Adam Banks fan. Mm. I'm a Fulton guy, but I'm also I also like Dwayne from Number Two. Yeah. Uh but as a kid, I was an Averman fan. Mm. But yeah, those though, that was those were two films that I watched a lot as a kid. I remember having like a hockey stick when I was about eight, nine, ten years old, playing on my mom's porch with my brother, shooting these big foam pucks into a empty laundry basket. <laughs> Trying to learn to do the knuckle puck. <laughs> it's knuckle puck time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching my cousin Vinny as a kid. I think oh, that's Coach Riley from uh, Mighty Ducks. He's mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Mighty Ducks is like one sports film that I kept separate from the rest because it's it had a bigger impact on me. Like being a huge hockey fan today is this is what got me into being such a huge hockey fan because I didn't see Slapshot until I was much older, probably until I was about in high school. Mm. Yeah, I don't I'm trying to think. I don't remember when I first saw Slapshot, but I remember. Maybe, maybe high school had to have been high school. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh. But somewhere around there, I got introduced. Well, to, you know. Well, I'd say steady diet of Mighty Ducks and Tales from the Mouse Hockey League is what got me into hockey as a kid. Because I did watch Tales of the Mouse Hockey League a lot at my grandma's house. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know what I don't know what really got me into into hockey. I don't know. It's just kind of uh, because to be because you're Canadian. Maybe, but I just <laughs> everybody in Canada is a hockey fan. I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> contrary to what everybody else may think, <laughs> but like I don't know. It just I guess it was just yeah, because it was always on or whatever, and like I know my dad always watched hockey and stuff, so I just kind of you know watched it from there, and I think. I don't know. I think maybe Slapshot had kind of some kind of influence in there too, because being introduced to that one and being into hockey, and I think it kind of further cemented that. So, yeah. Uh, well, it makes me wonder what's this generation's film that'll get them into hockey. Yeah, I don't know. Because you gotta think, maybe my probably my sister and brother's movie probably Miracle. Hmm. That came out in those, what the two thousands with Kurt Russell. Yeah. So has there really been much? I know they had the Mighty Ducks TV show, which I still haven't watched yet. Yeah. But has there really been like a really big hockey movie since Miracle came out? I don't think so. I can't. I don't think there actually there has been. Like you've had your you know other sports movies and things like a lot like you know your football and things like that but actually i look back at the sports films that my generation grew up with so baseball you got sandlot you got uh little big league you got rookie of the year uh basketball which i was gonna i should have put my sports pack too space jam Mm. um with uh football you had little giants I also watched Necessary Roughness, which is a little bit more older for me. Mm. Um, kind of caught out, but uh, I also watched Replacements a lot in high school, which that's a fun one mm. for football. But um, hockey had the Mighty Ducks films. Like generations before me had like with the Natural for baseball. That they had uh, Slapshot for hockey. Um, I'm sure I've probably skipped over a bunch for like basketball and other sports too. Yeah. But Celtic Pride is another good basketball one for me too at my age too. Celtic Pride with uh, Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd and Damon Wayans. Yeah. You could only start in that. You could only start in that film if your name began with the letter D. <laughs> <laughs> Every yeah. time somebody asks me who my favorite basketball player is, I always say uh, Lewis Scott from Celtic Pride <laughs> to, to see to see who gets it. <laughs> That's the funniest fuck movie. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, imagine being twelve years old and when they're doing the make a drink and say, "This one's called Jimmy's Dick." <laughs> <laughs> I will go to my grave saying that Celtic Pride is a very, very underrated Dan Aykroyd comedy. Yeah. Aykroyd has done so much great stuff. And so is Daniel Stern. It is a very, very underrated movie for both of those guys. Yeah. I would agree. 
Absolutely. Well, we're done with our sports chat for a nerd podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one I had on my list was uh, The Hobbit. And uh, I know what you're thinking. Jared, weren't you old when those were old when those films came out? No, I'm talking about the animated Rankin and Bass Hobbit from 1978. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are very few things I remember terrifying me as a kid. Um, one of them being Chucky, seeing that movie for the first time when I was four years old. Uh, one being Christopher Lloyd from a certain film we talk about here in a little bit. And... Uh, Next would be Gollum from this animated version of The Hobbit. <laughs> will be three things I remember scaring the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> um, but I do love this version of The Hobbit. Um, I talk about it all the time to people when I talk about uh, Middle Earth series. Um, I do love the song. Like the songs have stuck with me all these years later, especially the songs that the goblins sing. They are catchy as shit too and i shared uh artwork from this not that long ago on my facebook page of some of the original artwork from the rankin and bass version of a hobbit and yeah if the name sounds really yes it's the same rankin and bass that brought us rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and frost the snowman so yes that rankin and bass brought us the hobbit (laughs) (laughs) um such a good movie um but sharing artwork, my friend Tim, who I do these plays with, commented about it too. Because he's a few years, Tim's a few years older than me, but he remembers this stuff too. So he grew up with it. And I told him, I go, I was never afraid. I'm not one to be afraid of spiders. But if I did have a fear of spiders, it would come from this movie. Because the these animated spiders are terrifying looking. And this was a kid's movie in the 70s, late 70s. And when uh, Bilbo saves the 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 dwarves from the spiders, these spiders made the scariest ass fucking noises after Bilbo would kill them. Mm. That that noise haunts me to this day, and that noise is edited out now. My DVD version, I have this film now. But um, yeah, like a most haunting noise ever. But uh. Yeah, so the, the, this is what this is my introduction to. I guess would you call it the Middle Earth series? I guess I have seen the Lord of the Rings films. I've seen two of the Peter Jackson Hobbit films. I think I've seen the first two. I don't think I've seen the Battle of the Five Armies, but I always this is when if I ever want to watch the Hobbit, this is the one I always go back to. I think they did. I I used to have the video game too on GameCube. I made it all the way to Lake Town, I think. But, um, yeah, so yeah, nineteen seventy-eight's The Hobbit. I believe Rankin and Bass also did. Uh, I think they just did the Fellowship of the Ring. I don't think they did all three. I think they just did the. I think they just did Lord. I think they might have done Return of the King. I think they just did uh, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. I know they did Lord of the Rings, but they didn't do the whole series. 
Are you uh, with you being a Hobbit fan? Are you have you seen this one at all? I haven't. No. It's got some lot, lots of cool songs in it. They're, they're like they're earworms, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're a fan of F is for Family, like I am, right? Yes. Uh, what was uh, Justin Long's character's name? The son, uh, uh, Kevin. There, mm-hmm. his favorite band was it. Uh, uh, Shire of Frodo or whatever it was or Shoto whatever it was. Yes. Uh, yeah. the kind of music that band plays, it's essentially what these songs are very like. They're like very folky. Oh, <laughs> but they're like, but they're ear they're they're earworms. <laughs> so I, I still I'm driving around, I'll still listen to I cannot and I, it bugs me that I cannot find the soundtrack anywhere for it. Because, like, the song, The Greatest Adventure, it's the theme song for the whole thing. It will be stuck in your head. But the Goblin songs, uh, 15 Birds and Five Fur Trees, and then uh, Down, Down to Goblin Town, <laughs> they will be stuck They will be stuck in your head. I don't know if I want to watch this now. <laughs> but what I love about this is it's animated so well. So when I try to depict fear on stage, if I'm acting, I always look back to how they animate the sequence when the dwarves and Bilbo run into the goblins for the first time. Mm. They animate terror in these dwarves' faces so well when these goblins are coming out of the dark on them. That's what I, when I try to, if I ever wanted to depict fear on stage, that's what I, I try to emulate. Yeah, it's one of my inspirations to go to to try to emulate fear. I'll just send you a clip of it. But yeah, uh, the golem scared the shit out of me as a kid, but um, I still love it. I, I just watched it about a week ago as of this recording too. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. I never did read The Hobbit, though. I tried reading it when I was a kid, but I never got through it. I wasn't much of a reader as a kid. I came to actual novels. I, I don't think I read it as a kid, but I read it sort of much later. And, and I, I love the book. I absolutely love the book. I find it a little easier to much easier to get through than like Lord of the Rings and like those ones, because those ones I find are just there's just so much going on and so many little things and whatever. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really, I don't get into, I'm not much of a Lord of the Rings fan. Like I, I it's all right. Like I don't, I've seen the first one, um, but like the, the first film, but I haven't really dived into too much of that world. I'm more the Hobbit. I, and I, I'm probably the only one who absolutely loves all three films. You know, even though, yeah, there's a lot of little books, like book content that's not blah, 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 whatever. I still love them. So I'm dying on that hill. <laughs> so he had three films to put one tiny book into, and he didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, I think my whole thing with the film, the three films, was like, why did I have to do three? Why does it have to be three? Yeah. I know it's eh, it is what it is, but you know, I I still I love all 
all of them in it. And I love the the Hobbit. That's where I I'm at with with that stuff. Is... Yeah, I, I've been more of a Hobbit guy myself, and it's been because of this cartoon. Yeah. Like I did like Ben to Cumberbatch as Smog. I thought that was cool. Like I remember watching. Does he show up in the first one? Yeah, he shows up in the first one. Smog shows up in the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember like loving the CG of Smog. Mm-hmm. But like I think like all the knowledge I got about dragons came from this cartoon as well. Like dragons have that one soft spot on their belly. Mm-hmm. A voice that I had fucking hobbit feet because they're huge and hairy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) But yeah, this because I'm not the huge, hugest Middle Earth fan, but my heart always has a soft spot for this version of the Hobbit. And it comes from a legendary studio, too. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, another great choice. What's your uh, what do you have next? Oh, the next one I wrote down, I think I had to put something down here from my boy, Tim Burton. I really don't think it's the movie you expected it expected to be. I wrote Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh-huh. I was a huge Pee Wee Herman guy as a kid. Even before his incident in was it 91, 92 when he got arrested. Um I was a huge Pee Wee Herman's I was a huge Pee Wee's Playhouse kid. I remember watching this movie for the first time on uh Betamax at my great uncle's house up in Milwaukee as a kid. And uh, at five years old, I had no idea who Tim Burton was at the time. Because I think Batman had just came out around this time. I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure for the first time. I hadn't seen Beetlejuice at this time. Um, I hadn't seen Vincent or Frankenweenie at this time. Which is about all he had under his under his uh, his resume about this time. But um, yeah, I was really debating what to put down for my debuted Tim Burton. I, I, I love Batman off the list because I don't... Cause I, for the life of me, I cannot remember what when I saw Batman for the first time. Mm-hmm. I almost had Batman Returns on here. Because um, I, I do remember seeing that one as a kid. But I also watched Batman Forever a lot as a kid, too. Um, but yeah, for my representation of... Uh, Tim Burton out with uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I every year when it's the anniversary of Large March deaths, I always share that. Sure, you tell them Large March sent you. And what the greatest part about that scene is it's animated by the Kyoto Brothers that brought us Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember some of the darker stuff freaking out, like the 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 weird nightmare stuff with the clown face the bike and all that stuff being kind of freaky as a kid. I was a very sensitive child. I got easily scared as a kid. Uh, not so much anymore. Um, yeah. Pee-wee's big adventure was probably my first introduction to Tim Burton. Um, I left nightmare before Christmas off my list. Cause even though it's my favorite film of all time, 
it didn't have it had more of an impact on my life later on than even though I did see it when I was eight or nine years old. Um, it it um didn't really have much of more of an effect on my life until I was a little bit older. Do you think we could probably do another episode where we about films that like had influence on us later in life? I bet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, I remember you not having, um, I, for, I guess for lack of a better term, like quite positive reception of this film. But in, um, in my opinion, just because you saw it so much later in life and I saw it at such a young age. Yeah, I, I think so. Like I, I or, or not growing up with Pee-wee Herman at all. Yeah, because I didn't, like, it wasn't something that was ever like yes it, it existed while i existed but um it just it was never a thing in childhood or anything and then now you know very recently seeing it um yeah i, I think it probably would have been a lot different if i had seen it earlier but um yeah this one it it didn't really um didn't really do much for me like it was just kind of it was a very much like what the hell am i watching right now <laughs> like it, it i didn't really I, I didn't connect with it as much as i thought i i would have like i was expecting to you know i, I didn't have any expectations of the film and i also didn't expect like I, I i was hoping to really like the movie like i that's all i i had Otherwise, I went in kind of no expectations, and it just didn't really, <laughs> I didn't, definitely didn't connect with it as much as I thought it would, so, yeah. I I don't, I don't hate it, but it's also just, yeah, okay, I saw it, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> well, even for 1985, it's, before he really made a name for himself, this is still very much a Tim Burton film. Yeah. Like you could see his influence all over it still for this being like his first major film he ever directed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching Pee Wee's Playhouse, and even later on as an adult, Paul Rubens is Paul Rubens is is a great actor outside of being Pee Wee. Like I, he's one guy. Like like there's few there are, there are films I try to seek out because actors are in them like. Mark Hamill is one of those guys. I'll seek out any film I can find Mark Hamill in. Mm-hmm. Or Paul Rubin's another one, too. I'm always so happy when he shows up. I love when he shows up in Blues Brothers. Or in, uh, I love him as the Spleen and Mystery Men. Um, him playing uh, Locke in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Or Penguin's Father in Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. I mean, this. Or uh, I think he's even Jokey Smurf in the first Smurf movie that <laughs> came out in 2011-ish. Um, is anytime like uh, I love him in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, the movie, not the show. Um, yeah. It's one of those guys. Every time he shows up in something, I'm just so happy to see him. Mm-hmm. He's such a, he's such a talented actor beyond Pee Wee. Yeah. yeah. So I had to throw a Tim Burton film on my list, and 
Because I can't quite remember what, what ages I saw Beetlejuice or Batman. Batman Returns, I know, probably. I think the reason why I left a Batman film off my list is because I think, like most people in my age bracket, Batman Animated Series is what got me into Batman. Yeah. I was about eight when that came out. It came out about the same time as uh, Batman Returns did. Mm-hmm. Um, my next one, I kind of mentioned briefly earlier of one of the things that terrified me as a kid, and that would be Christopher Lloyd as Judge Doom in a little film called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> as much as he freaked me out at the final scene I, I, this is something I catch shit for like even 30 years later I still catch shit for this about how Christopher Lloyd scared the shit out of me in this movie and like when you're a little four or five year old kid watching this and going through that transformation that Christopher Lloyd goes through it is terrifying as shit when you're a little kid <laughs> Maybe I'm alone in that, but yeah, Christopher Lloyd scared the shit out of me as a kid. But this is a film I did watch a lot as a kid. I remember um, Eddie going to the the Ink and Paint Club and the dealing with the gorilla when the gorilla throws him out and all that shit. <laughs> He's doing the ooga booga, all that stuff. But not catching on to Jessica Rabbit saying, "I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way." Or when Eddie hits his head on her giant rack. Or patty cake being a metaphor for, uh, you know, you know, we all know what patty cake was a metaphor for when uh, Eddie was taking pictures of uh, Acme and Jessica Rabbit together. But uh, <laughs> I think just being like a four or five year old kid, like, wow, how did they do the live action, the cartoons together? That's awesome. And I just remember like, well, I think probably as a kid. Seeing Donald Duck and Daffy Duck together was so fun. It was so cool, too, because I'm, I'm still a huge Donald Duck fan to this day. One of my favorite scenes. And when Eddie finally goes to Toontown at the end and all that stuff. So just having so much fun seeing, like, the cartoons mixed with the live action. Like, wow, how'd they do that? <laughs> and even watching behind the scenes years later, I still love this film. And it's to the point where... Uh, uh, the podcast that my buddy Mikey and I are starting, the Pre-Beard Cinema, shameless plug, where we talk about um, all the films from like the 70s and 80s and, and beyond where the, um, studios did not give a shit about scaring kids. Uh, this is the first episode we're going to do is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> nice. Um, and The Hobbit. Uh, we just, I think The Hobbit... Pee-wee's Big Adventure are also going to be on this list on on our list of episodes too. So, um, so they all got elements of terror in them, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's probably like I don't. I think it has to be my favorite Robert Zemeckis film too. You know, as much as I do love um, the Back to the Future franchise, I do really love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's like another film I always go back to. I fucking love it. It's one of my favorite Touchstone movies next to Nightmare Before Christmas. I just love it. I love it. It's such a fun film. And I think the I think the animation and the live action interaction still holds up very well for being 
what uh 88 so 34 year old movie oh wow yeah that came out what 88 89 so yeah this i think i think the movie holds up really well still i haven't read the book it's based off of but i want to mm. but um i just love this film yeah, yeah years later I respect the shit out of Christopher Lloyd in this film. It's probably one of my favorite Christopher Lloyd performances next to Doc Brown or Uncle Fester. They had some movies. Um, especially when you bring up the fact that uh, you know how you read these trivia facts about films, you cannot unsee them once you see them. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd, whenever he's on screen in this film, does not blink. So once somebody told me that, I cannot unsee it. So I'm watching Christopher Lloyd like a hawk every time <laughs> I watch this movie. And he does not blink when he is on screen as Judge Doom. Hmm. It's one of those things, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm... I'm not. It's. I think it's a. It's another one of those things where it's, you know, I didn't see it until sort of more recently. So, you know, it's not something that I I grew up with. So I guess it, you know, so I'm not really. It didn't connect with it much like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It wasn't one that I, you know, really connected with or whatever. But it's like. I want to watch this movie now just for Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> he's, he's, like, there, there, there's a lot of great stuff about this film, but Christopher Lloyd steals the show. Yeah. <laughs> he is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, think this was, I think this was probably my introduction to him, too. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah. Well, I look back, Christopher Lloyd played a, as I'd say, Back to the Future played a little more impact in my high school to older years. Mm-hmm. If I look back at like Christopher Lloyd having an impact on me as a kid from this film, from uh, the Dennis the Menace mate, uh, film that came out in like 94. And then he played uh, Uncle Fester in the first two Adam Sandler films. Yeah. So I sit and look at those four performances right there. Or if I look back at, uh, the DuckTales movie, Tales, uh, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. He's the voice of the villain in that one, too. Okay. So look at that. Like those five films alone, without counting the Back to the Future franchise, like the kind of impact that Christopher Lloyd had in my life as a kid. Mm. And I, like, I didn't watch Taxi as a kid in reruns or anything. But then seeing him much later and like starting to fully embrace the Back to the Future trilogy or seeing him, seeing him in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Or it still made my heart very happy to see him in uh, Nobody last year. Okay. Or when they brought back uh, Roseanne a couple of years ago, seeing Christopher Lloyd in that. Like, it still makes me happy whenever I see Christopher Lloyd pop up in something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I had a moment. I'm like, Nobody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's been a minute since I watched that movie. Yeah, that one made me really happy to see him. Like, oh. Like, yes. <laughs> like you see this badass action movie. Holy shit, the Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction. I was like, holy shit. 
yes. I think I think my my first introduction to him was through taxi. <laughs> I was I, I you know my parents watched that whatever and and yeah that was my first introduction to him and then and then back to the future and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do love from Christopher Lloyd. He's a national treasure. Oh, absolutely he is. <laughs> This is great. Um, I got one more film on my list, and that is uh, you had a Muppet film, so now it's my turn to have a Muppet film. <laughs> I, went, I went with The Great Muppet Caper. Oh, nice. Um, I want to say, I'm trying to figure out what my introduction to the Muppets was. I want to say it was either A Muppet Family Christmas. Or Muppet Babies. Because that was a huge staple watch for me, too. Or, I, probably my introduction to Jim Henson, like most kids, was probably Sesame Street at first. Yeah. Um, then, like, you get older and you realize that Jim Henson had a hand in the first two Ninja Turtle films. <laughs> and then you start to discover, like, The Labyrinth and Dark Crystal Emmett mm-hmm. Otter's Jug Band Christmas, I discovered at a much later age. Um, yeah, uh, my first Muppet film I do remember watching was The Great Muppet Caper. And uh, when Charles Grodin died, was it last year or early this year? I would say it was earlier this year when Charles Grodin passed away. Um, this is the film I watched that day because this is like my introduction to him um i did watch the beethoven films a lot growing up and i love him in clifford but it'll always be the great muppet caper um it's got one of my favorite muppet songs of all time in it the happiness hotel song um if i ever started a band there was two <laughs> and we had an entrance song it'd either be down, down to Goblin Town from The Hobbit, or it'd be the Happiness Hotel is our theme song, our entrance song to come out on the stage. <laughs> so I just, I just love the Happiness Hotel song. Um, yeah. I just remember so much from this, and uh, then like, I discovered, the, much like you, I discovered the Muppet Show later after that. Mm-hmm. I, this is what, this is really what sunk my teeth into being a Jim Henson fan. But um, yeah, the Great Muppet Caper is like my my go to Muppet film. Nice. I just love it so much. I love the story and everything with it. Like watching them all ride bikes together and stuff. And uh, have you seen this one, Great Muppet Caper? I haven't. Oh, it's a good one. Uh, so there's there's this running gag throughout this whole film that Fozzie and Kermit are twin brothers. <laughs> so, so, so there's this running gag that nobody can tell them apart. <laughs> it's it's so damn funny. Um, and Charles Grodin has the storyline where he falls in love with Miss Piggy, and he he sells it too. Like Charles Grodin is having so much the the humans in this film are having so much fun with it. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, um, so yeah, this is my go-to Muppet film. And when they're, they're sending the Muppets over to England to, uh, to find this missing, uh, to follow this fashion designer, Lady Holiday around. And, uh, well, Fozzie and Fozzie and Kermit are reporters and Gonzo's their, uh, photographer. And all these jewel robberies are getting, ha- are happening to Lady Holiday. And, um, it happens while she's in the States and she flies back to England. But, um, when they're shipping them over to England, instead of putting them in first class, they, uh, they put them in crates in the cargo area and on, uh, Kermit and Fozzie's boxes, it says bear and frog, but on Gonzo's crate, it says whatever. <laughs> 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 it's raining they, they land in this lake and hey it's raining bears it's raining cats and dogs no it's raining bears and pigs and gonzos <laughs> <laughs> um i think this film cemented as bogard being one of my favorite muppet characters too <laughs> I, I fucking love beauregard <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is also one of my, I think this probably also cemented my love for electric mayhem too, because of their, uh, their part in, uh, the happiness hotel song, but also got, uh, animal doing woman, woman, this because Charles Gordon's, uh, henchmen are like three models. So chasing yeah. them around. <laughs> <laughs> and, even a few obscure characters get, uh, I think this is where Pops is introduced, at least in the films, because I know Pops get, Pops got introduced in what, season two of The Muppet Show? I think so. I'm... What character was that? Like what? He's like the old man, like his eyes are closed. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was the second season of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pops has got a big role in this film. He runs the Happiness Hotel. Mm-hmm. This uh, this has one of my favorite... Uh, I think in the first two Muppet films, they have this running gag with Janice where when everybody's yelling at once and everybody stops and Janice keeps on talking. Like, Look, Mother, it's my life. If I want to lay around nude on a beach all day, it's my choice. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> keep, keeps rambling on. <laughs> everybody else is done talking. <laughs> I think you like this one. It's pretty fun. I thought honestly it's from like eighty eighty one or eighty two. Okay. It's a fun one. Jim Henson's got a cameo on it. Let's see. Jim Henson, I think. I'm trying to remember who the other performer acts. I don't think Frank Oz is a cameo in it. I think David Either Dave Gells or Jerry Nelson. Uh, another one of the Muppet performers has a cameo in it. But Jim mm-hmm. Henson's got Jim Henson's got a good one in it though. Yeah, I think you'll like it. Oh, definitely, I will. Like I said in our, you know, the f- first thing, it's like you know, it's got the Muppets in it. You know, you know it's going to be a good time. So, yeah. 
one of my favorite internet interaction th- internet like one of those my favorite memes that makes you think online is think of a movie keep one human the rest are played by muppets that's always one that gets me thinking mm. and uh one of the gals I was in the uh trade organ with i think it was uh she had said pick the cat like replace the cast of the rocky horror picture show with a muppet <laughs> I listen to all these ones off I'm like no Frank's going to be played by this one this is going to be this this is going to be this yeah like Dr. Teeth has to be Eddie oh yeah 100% <laughs> like just stuff like that like yeah no it's going to be like this it's going to be like this no 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 so this yeah. one. Well, uh, Kermit, uh, Kermit and Piggy definitely have to be Brad and Janet. Oh, yes. Yeah. And now my brain's running, like making my own Muppet film. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Lost Boys just popped in my head. Oh, boy. <laughs> keep keep the saxoph- keep the sexy saxophone guy <laughs> the rest are played by Muppets, Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> how do we make this happen please let's make this happen <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pitch it to Mikey tomorrow at work, and I'm sure he's going to love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, those are the films I had in my list, films that shaped my childhood. I, I'm sure some people are shocked I didn't put Ghostbusters on there or Nightmare Before Christmas. Like Those, those really were films that probably affected me a little bit later in life. Like I'm sure we could probably do another list of high school times we could probably do adulthood oh yeah yeah a lot of those films didn't really affect me till later in life mm-hmm. but they still have a huge impact on me now yeah and i mean like for you know definitely for me too like i i mean you know there's so many movies that i'm just seeing for the first time because you know i just you know, during my childhood, I mean, I did watch movies, of course I did, but it wasn't something that I, I, you know, I, I didn't embrace the the movie fan nerd that I am now. As you know, I, I don't think I, I really was then. Like I just, I, yeah, I had, I liked movies, I liked watching them, whatever. But it, you know, a lot of these films, you know seeing now they have that more of an impact so yeah it'd be kind of interesting to do something like that because you know they they have so much more meaning now than you know yeah because i i do remember watching ghostbusters at a very young age um Mm -hmm. probably about four or five years old because ghostbusters came out what six months before i was even born and I do vividly remember as a young child seeing the scene with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yeah. 
and just remembering that for most of my life. And then I grew up with the ghost, but the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. So, but I just, I almost, I almost went with like films that had a negative impact on my childhood too, like Child's Play. I saw the first Child's Play when I was, again, like four or five years old. My mom laid me down for a nap in front of the TV at my babysitter's house, and they were watching Child's Play. <laughs> I was afraid of dolls until I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and you watch those movies much later, like, yeah, I was afraid of this. <laughs> yeah. But the Chucky doll still looks pretty cool, like, for being 30-something-odd years old, so... Yeah, absolutely. So there's the ten films that shaped our childhoods. I think we could try this again, probably in the net in the new year with uh, teenage years, and then we could probably do adulthood. We could probably do. High, I bet we could probably do. I'd say the next one we do like this should be like high school and college years, mm. then adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I, I can even. Well, I know I think you and I have gone on discussions about this before off mic about how like some directors I have an affinity I had affinity for in high school and college. I don't have quite the affinity for now anymore, but, but I'm sure we could probably go high school high school to college years and then probably do adulthood later on. Oh, absolutely. I mean my Teenage years is going to be, we do that list, is basically going to be a lot of 80s movies. <laughs> it's going to be a, a hell of a lot of those ones. So I think we're probably going to, you know, we were we were fairly different on this one, which is like a huge thing because we're always on the same page with everything. So <laughs> I think for this one... I think I think the age gap is what helped with this one. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your list made me feel old as shit because I was in college. (laughs) You said I was like either a teenager or in college. (laughs) You said most of your films like fuck. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I was just a little Canuck when I watched School of Rock. Fuck, I was turning 21 when that movie came out. Let's see, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I was 11. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and probably the only 11 year old who is into like ACDC, Motorhead, <laughs> Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to go lay down now because I'm old. <laughs> Take some ibuprofen from my back. 
throw you all some kids on my lawn. <laughs> Don't forget to shake your cane at them. <laughs> Get off my lawn. I do it more like Clint Eastwood from uh, yeah. Grain Torino. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Me too. My probably my favorite Eastwood film. I well probably have seen more than I think I have of his, but I, I definitely I really enjoyed that one. What is, I, it's been a minute since I've watched it. I should watch it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Any Hooters. Any Hooters. <laughs> uh, Melissa, where can the listeners keep up with you if they choose? Uh, they can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram um, at MissMelissaN25, all lowercase, nothing fancy. Um, I also have a drawing art page on Instagram called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. And it's all lowercase, all one word, and I post all my quirky, weird art that I do on there. Uh, and where can they find you, Jared? Uh, you can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista, M-I-S-T-A underscore J. That's where you find pictures of my cats and of my beard, because that's what the internet is for. Um, I am also working on a podcast with my buddy Mikey that I mentioned earlier called Pre-Beard Cinema. We take a look back at those movies in the 70s, 80s, and and beyond about when theater, uh, sorry, when uh, studios did not give a shit about scaring little kids like me. That I had Christopher <laughs> Lloyd torture me as a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> and the same studio that brought me Frosty the Snowman that delighted me every year as a kid scared the fuck out of me with their creepy ass looking spiders when I was a little kid too. <laughs> so we're, we're hoping for a fall launch date for that so keep looking for that um as a podcast as a whole you can keep up with us on facebook twitter and instagram at nerd Not nations podcast and be sure to send us an email at nerd Not nations podcast at gmail.com yeah and if you want to keep listening to us as a podcast uh you can find us in our home at podbean uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And on any one of those platforms uh, that you choose to listen to us on, uh, be sure to leave a rating and review. We greatly appreciate it. Yep, and uh, stay tuned to your podcast feeds, because now we're getting into the spooky season. And I believe our next episode, we're going to be running a mucka 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 m